This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hi, I'm Delta Work, and welcome to Very Delta. This is a podcast where I look beautiful, speak extemporaneously, and I invite people onto the couch to, I don't know, just tell me stuff. Very Delta is the show for the woman who keeps sweet and low in her glove box. Are you Very Delta? M. Oh. Are you a lady like me? Introspective, beautiful. Oh, are you intellectual like me? Beguiled by a bargain? You like wild times? Oh, like me? Are you serving the community like me? Well, if you are, then you must be very Delta. Hello, my gorgeous listeners and spectators. Welcome back to another episode of Very Delta. I'm excited to be here today. Um, we have another special guest, but um, I think there's a few things that we need to cover and revisit, things that I've talked about on social media, um, in on other platforms, in other ways. Um, I know it's Monday, so you're still picking up the pieces from your weekend, uh, probably your Saturday or Sunday brunch, uh, respectively. Um, but as I said, I think we need to revisit a, a few things that are super, super important. You know, uh, I started performing drag brunches maybe 20 years ago. I mean, I've been performing now well into three decades. But brunches started to become really, really popular in uh, like the early 2000s. I feel like, for me anyway. We were doing the brunchettes in Long Beach at the time, myself, Psychedella, Jules, Tammy Brown. I mean, this is so far back that Tammy Brown was actually using index cards to make individual flyers and she would pass them out. Like, that's how far back. Um, <clears throat> but in the past 20 or so years, I feel like the face of brunch, drag brunch has changed. You can literally have a drag brunch anywhere and there is a drag brunch anywhere, especially here in LA. I mean, you cannot throw... Um, you know, a vegan wrap without hitting one. I mean, there's just like literally a brunch everywhere, which is wonderful. It provides a lot of opportunity for drag entertainers to work. It provides uh, a lot of outlet for people. But drag brunch is really sort of a safe zone for people who've never been to a drag show because they feel like it's during the day. It's a little more controlled for them. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people that have never been to a drag brunch, specifically, um, you know, the heterosexual community, they feel like it's a safe place because if they go to a drag show at night, you know, the freaks come out at night, I think is their feeling. So during the day, it's a little safer. Plus, you know, who is not going to be interested in unlimited mimosas? But when you come to these brunches, what has happened is we've obviously been infiltrated with people celebrating big things like big birthdays, big uh, wet wedding, uh, uh, bridal parties, baby showers, all of it is happening. And that's great. We want you to celebrate. We want you to have a good time. These types of parties are what keep us really going. What happens is because drag brunch is such a, um, a playground for people who've never been to a drag show before, everything has to be sort of made very safe in a way. Like, it needs to be approachable for, for everyone and it has to be comfortable. So, you know, sing-alongs are what you're probably going to hear, songs you've heard on the radio. It's not going to get too extremely complicated. Um, shock value is important sometimes just because you want to pull people in. And listen, for all intents and purposes, drag entertainers are doing brunch that early in the morning because, of course, they want to be tipped. And you're going to be tipped by people who are loving what you're doing. What happens, though, when you're a guest at a show like this, a brunch show, is it's very easy for people to um, say, I want to go, I want to have my, my bridal shower there, and I'm going to bring all my friends who've never been before. If you're doing that, 
It is your sole responsibility as our ally and as somebody who's supporting drag to let everyone in your party know exactly what's going to go down. Don't make them think that they're going to Dave and Buster's because that's not what's happening. Don't think uh, that they're going to Disneyland because that's not what's happening. Uh, certainly, it may be sort of like a Disney for for uh, for drag queens in a way because it's safer and it's more approachable. But let these people know there is... You know, they need to keep their hands inside the ride at all times. They're going to hear songs they like. They're going to want to get up and dance and have a good time. No, don't. Let them know that's not what happens. This is a piece of live theater. Uh, certainly not saying it's a Broadway show and certainly not comparing it to that. But in the same sense, there are people that you are paying to watch. And so we want them to have a really good time. You never know if people are going to dance and do a cartwheel or whatever it is that they're going to do. Um and just like, you know, being anywhere in public, just because something is exciting doesn't mean that you can touch it or grope it or pull at it. Uh, people, a lot of people are, it's become really tactile when it comes to, uh, um, you know, getting a little more drunk and a little more free and having a good time. And I don't think they intend to do the most, but they end up doing the most because none of their friends are correcting them. Certainly not the person whose birthday it is because now they're drunker than everybody and they forgot to tell them, hey, we have to tip the we have to tip the performers. Well, you don't have to tip the performers, but it's you know par for the course. It's what happens. Um, but more than anything, at least don't pull their wigs off. Like at least don't try to take the dollar and you know do that thing where you like hold it up and you want to you want I, we call it I call it the 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 carrot and the horse. Like no, do you want this dollar? C come get this dollar or waving it over the head of some unsuspecting, heterosexual, cis male who had no idea that they were coming to this and then once they see it are obviously uncomfortable. Um, generally, they're having a good time. They will have a good time, but you can always tell there's somebody that's a little bit uncomfortable and in doing that, you're just going to make it worse. You're really going to make it worse, especially when you're doing that or you're trying to tell them like, ooh, come on, get in their crotch or 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 that kind of thing. Like it, it becomes um, a scary place for them where they're not going to, they're not going to be like acclimated to it. They're not going to become comfortable with it. They're going to immediately think this is always going to be this way. I'm always going to be put on the spot. I'm always going to be made to be uncomfortable in this situation. Some people just don't like that. Listen, when it's my birthday and we go, I don't know, to Cheesecake Factory, I don't particularly want everybody to come up and sing happy birthday to me. I appreciate it. I'll absolutely take that free piece of cake. But I don't want a scene to be made simply because I just want to have a good time. Some people are that way. They don't want to do that. So just because you come to the brunch and you think it's funny speaks to a couple of different things. First of all, that you are fine making someone else feel extremely uncomfortable as long as you get to laugh. And then on top of that, that you absolutely think that the drag queens are there as a complete and total utter joke. And it couldn't possibly be seen as something that needs to be respected. It's something that you own and that you need to objectify, uh, sexualize, or, or completely and totally run off the rails as a total utter joke. This is not to say don't come. This is to say when you come, just have the bare minimum of respect and let people, because some people too don't even know that tipping is a thing until they see it. And they're like, oh, I want to do that too. I want the drag queens to come over and or drag kings to come over and, and dance around and have a good time with us and take a couple of pictures. That's amazing. Speaking of pictures, if there's not a step and repeat and there's not an intention to take pictures and you come to the brunch, if a queen or a king or any entertainer offers to take a picture with you, that is great. But when you get up and start pulling them over to your table while they're performing and tell them, come on, stop, we're doing pictures, it's my birthday, it says to everyone in the room that you are the only person that's there to be entertained. They are not to be entertained. And when they see the drag queen or drag entertainer stop, it says to them, now it's our turn. You're not here to perform. You're not here to get tipped. You're only here to walk around and take pictures, which is not the case. We love pictures. We want to take the pictures. But unfortunately, we have to be performing the show for everyone to enjoy. It's not just, you know, it doesn't come with bottle service that the drag queen just stops and hangs out at your table. We will love to do that. But there's three seatings sometimes in one day. At some locations, four seatings. You're just not going to get the personal service for the entire duration of a number, much less the whole show. Um, because what happens is as soon as the show's over, you have to clear out. Linens have to be changed. Floors have to be mopped. Food has to be reset for the next group of people. So what happens is because you may want all of that extra personal service, 
it delays not only everyone at your seating uh, experiencing the show, it delays it for every other seating. So it becomes kind of fucked up. I mean, this sounds a little heavy, but these principles are basically just purely not being an asshole, like not being a dick. If you are able to like walk out of your house and go, oh, other people exist in the world. Oh, I'm going to be in a restaurant with 250 other people. Oh, they want to watch the show too? Hmm, okay. Well, I would like to tip. Um, maybe I should get some ones. Maybe I should tell everyone in my party. Like, you have to remind everyone in your group that so they're all on the same page as to what's happening. Certainly, at the minimum, let them know yeah. not to pull on people, not to throw up on people. Uh don't think it's funny to hand someone a receipt instead of a dollar as a tip. Certainly don't uh, have the drag queen lean down for a picture and try to shove a potato wedge in her mouth. Like, I know you think that's hilarious because, like, degrading people is hilarious, but it's not. Um, we look forward to seeing you at brunch as long as you behave yourselves. And most people do. It's not everyone. But, you know, these stories come out quite often and I, I experience them. And I just want to share with you because I know that's not your intention to behave that way. But someone has to correct you. And that's why I'm here. That's why it's very Delta. I know your brunch behavior will never be the same. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to welcome my friend who's giving more than brunch. He's the whole damn meal. When we come back, we're going to be chatting with my friend Sharak. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place, all on your terms. Everything is online today, and Squarespace offers so many features to make your website so sleek and professional. I love to shop online and I like to see how different small businesses and people have their websites set up. For me, it says a lot about how the customer service experience will play out based on a company's web design. I can always tell when a website is well-built and well-managed. It's the functionality and Squarespace has it. With Squarespace, you can book appointments through your site. They provide everything you need to manage your schedule, accept secure payments, send automatic reminders, you can have an online store, you can sell your products directly on your site, and they offer amazing analytics too, which is great for growing your business. You can learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are the most effective. So check out squarespace.com slash verydelta for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code verydelta, all one word, to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. And we are back. We are, I'm so excited. Uh, you know, I've been working in nightlife now for, as I said, three decades, into three decades, not three full decades. But I've been able to meet some of the coolest people and remain friends with them for a very, very long time. And this person is exactly that type of person that I'm talking about. I'm so excited to welcome to the show the one and only Sharak. Hi, Sharak. Hi, Delta. Thank you for making time to be here. Thank you for having me. So you, um, you know, you are kind of a man of a few words because you are very quiet and you're introspective and you like to sort of like look at things and evaluate things. But you do have a career that is to other people that seems like sort of outrageous or something. But it's not really an outrageous career, I don't think. Uh, do you think what you do is 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 outrageous to other people? I don't think so. I, I think especially within our within the community, it's not so outrageous. But if I tell people outside, they're like, wait, you do. Can I say porn? Well, we're talking about your career as a plant dad. Oh, as a plant dad. Oh, okay. That that career, yes. No, uh, yeah. People are like, "Well, you grow plants? That's so crazy." Right. Yeah. And what? And what about this plant? What do you think of this plant? That's a Phalaenopsis. It's beautiful. Oh, you know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. it's a type of orchid. Now, my question is, with these clips on here, yeah. right? So they're intended to to hold it up, and I I'm assuming support it, and also for display purposes. What happens if the clips weren't there, like in nature? Does it, I heard from my producer that they often grow on rocks. Yeah, actually, they grow, they're epiphytes. They grow on the sides of trees and sometimes rocks. Um, and in nature, they would kind of be growing 
um, like horizontally off the trunk of a tree or mm-hmm. almost upside down sometimes. And the, the flower sprays would hang down and okay. um, be accessible to pollinators. So they wouldn't be straight up like that, mm-hmm. like they sell them. What? Uh, how did you get interested in, in plants? And also, I know you love like wildlife because if if you follow Sharak uh, any on any social media platform, <laughs> you're going to see plants, but you're also going to see wildlife as well. You're so attracted to that, and they're attracted to you. Yeah, um, it's just part of. I guess since I was a kid, I just connected with plants and animals. Um, I was kind of bullied and kind of shy, so mm-hmm. plants and animals were my refuge. And also, being Iranian, um, animals are just part of our culture. So especially birds in particular, poultry mm-hmm. and pigeons and canaries and all kinds of stuff like that. So it was just I was kind of brought up in it. They come to you though. I mean, they literally they flock to you. I don't. I don't go looking for them. I think it's it's not me though. I think I just pay attention, or I've learned to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So I'd notice things maybe that some other people may not. And just because I've trained myself so many, from like a young child to do so. Right. Yeah. I remember when my dad, <clears throat> like just to give you an example, like. My dad, um, for I think it was my third birthday, he came, he went to downtown LA to like the live food markets with his truck uh-huh. and bought every poultry live that you could imagine. Uh-huh. And that was my third, he showed up, my mom was going to kill him. And that was my third birthday present. Oh there were like geese and ducks and chickens and all kinds of stuff. So that was like the kind of upbringing I had. Did you have the space for that? Not really. Okay. And I grew up in LA, so like, and we weren't like way out in the valley where you can do that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. We were kind of like <laughs> on the west side. No. So our neighbors hated us. We were kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies. Damn. Just not in Beverly Hills and and Persian. And and was that was that uh, I mean being Beverly Hillbillies and then being Persian is that something when you say you were being bullied is it is that something that played into that at that time? I don't know if it was that in particular. I just was I was heavy set. Mm-hmm. I was super effeminate, and I think also brown and those three things combined just set me up. Yeah, I felt like I was set up. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could relate to that. You were heavy set, effeminate, and brown. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see myself that way, um, but that must be difficult for people like you. Yeah, uh, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, and that's the thing. That's part of why we have remained friends. Um, Outwardly, people would think that we do something completely different. Yeah. But the reality is what we do is completely, almost exactly the same. It, obviously, it facilitates in other ways. But I've known you, like if, if other people may not know uh, if they hear the name Mimi Mosavi. But are, yeah. I know Mimi Mosavi and you. Um, tell us about Mimi Mosavi. Mimi Mosavi was my drag persona. Yeah. And she came out. Well, I think it was like 2009, 2010-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in West Hollywood, basically. I used to go and I was surrounded by queens and and performers and trans people. And like, it was always something that was felt safe to me. And then so I st- when I came back, um, I, I lived in Hawaii. And when I came back, it was around 2009. Mm-hmm. And I just started hanging out with the queens again and going out and then... I just went out in drag one night and that would, it just kind of snowballed from there. And Mimi is my aunt's, my great aunt's name. And she's like this very glamorous, fabulous woman. And Musavi is my part of my last name. So just mm-hmm. Mimi Musavi. And I, and that's the thing is like that when I say that, like what we do is similar. Yeah. Um, you are, I mean, you know, you're considered when people look at you visually, the archetype <clears throat> of, you know, masculinity and, uh, and virility and all of these things. And that is true. But with that comes this compassion that you also have and this um, fearlessness uh, in telling people, like, I love drag. I, I do drag. Like, you physically do drag. Maybe you're not doing it at the moment, but it'll always be part of you. Yeah. You've always been a super, super, super staunch supporter of the trans community, especially the trans community of color. These are just things that you aren't you, that you've always been. This isn't because you now have this bigger light on you. That's always who you've been. I mean, and that's why I've always wanted to be around you because I've always thought this person is so like-minded, like, and it's real. And not everyone in our community that gives off the, uh, the the archetype of masculinity is comfortable or strong enough to do that. Do you notice that? I do notice that. I think there's <clears throat> a lot of fear involved with it. Um, 
I, I, I don't really know. I can only speak for myself and my own experience. I was also that, and you remember back then. Right. And I remember coming to your shows and just being blown away by you. I was oh, a big sweet. fan from the beginning. And this is pre-drag race. like Right, when we were like, all running around. And it was fun. Right. I felt like it was just fun. People were out there having fun. But yeah, there weren't muscle muscle queens is what they called me. Right. There weren't muscle queens doing drag, especially not Persian ones. And I just said, you know, it, this is a part of me. It's a part of my culture as a queer person. Like, um, and it was just another way for me to express myself and kind of say fuck you to the to the archetype or stereotype that they right. were trying to fit me into. Yeah, I mean, that's, Does that makes sense. No, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. I mean, I yeah. think that's why. Um, you know, when I, when I decided that I was going to do like this kind of a format, I was like, I really want people who I've known for such a long time to be part of the, the beginning of this show mm. because the opinions are very, very similar. Um, you know, we're not exactly the same age, but we fall in sort of a similar um, mindset and view of things. I feel like also, too, like drag race is sort of a definitive time for people where people say, oh, I remember all of this before drag race yeah. or after drag race. So there's quite a few of us that do remember what drag looked like. It was it, different. It was different. And yeah. there was a lot. Not that there isn't now, but it was. I don't want to sound bad but it was fun yeah, like yeah there was it was so much fun and now it feels like it's a little um well it's become commercialized and a little bit more i don't know i don't know i don't no, want to get I into that discussion not, no and i know you're not shitting on anybody <laughs> yeah that's not who you are because drag race is amazing too and it's it's brought drag to the forefront and into uh i mean queer culture around the world into people's living rooms who have never experienced it before so in that sense it's amazing but there was it there was like a snapshot of time in la drag if, because that's my experience that was just so much fun and everybody was just like doing their own thing and it was it was a lot it was good and and of course not even just drag race but like social media in general yeah, before exactly. that we i was talking with raja about how we used to have um odyssey magazine oh, yeah. and like if you got your picture in odyssey it was yeah. like that was the only social media there was so you were like "Ooh, did you see me i'm the yeah. snitch of the week or <laughs> whatever it was you know that that kind of thing so what getting to hear people talk about that and you being able to see that. I mean, I know you're friends with people like Alana Starr and like people that really um, have seen that yeah. and have seen this and you still manage to maintain this friendship and this, this connection that will always be. And it's just, you know, as somebody who I feel like we, we do similar things with careers in nightlife, I'm still able to look back at it and think like, I know people are looking at, they'll see Raja, they'll see you, they'll see me, they'll see whoever they, and they're like, those people aren't connected. And it's like, you have no idea. No idea. The connection is is beyond what you physically look like. That, in fact, that's, it was never about that. It's never going to be about that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because it came from a time period before any of the, like, there wasn't this um, social media stardom back then. Right. It was, it was very much more real and tangible. Like, it wasn't just out in the metaverse right um so i felt like you developed like closer connections i don't know oh, i agree i don't know it was kind of it was it was a fun time for what, sure um <clears throat> before i before i uh, yeah. forget about it what did you call this plant Phalaenopsis. okay and that's orchid. a type of orchid yes now um this is a new orchid that uh was was brought to the table well, I don't know what happened to this orchid that was here earlier, uh, but is there any is there any chance for her, for him, for them? For them? Yeah, that's also Phalaenopsis. That's uh -huh. the more common white one. Um, and this is an anthurium down on the bottom. It's oh, down not, here. Yeah, um, that's not an orchid. But um, yeah, I mean, they're flowers. They're not they're not permanent. So the once the flower does die, the plant is going to remain. Mm -hmm. And if you're good at growing them, you can always have it like rebloom. Can this be overwatered? <clears throat> yes. Okay. Orchids like to be underwatered rather than overwatered. Okay. Because, like I said in the beginning, they're epiphytes, which means they grow on trees, which means they don't really have their roots in soil. So if they stay wet too long, they will rot. Mm. So like on a tree, it stays humid and moist, but it's not wet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've uh, I've been wet too long before yeah. <laughs> I've rotted um, for a long time. So I think uh, I just need to be around a rock or like Chirac. Chirac. You know what I mean? That yeah. would so I won't be so wet. Exactly. You know what I mean? If we just keep talking, yeah. <laughs> but that's like it, that. and it could it could rebloom. You never know. And the right conditions are almost like ever blooming. Actually, like they okay. just keep going. Do they have a season? Orchids, not so. I mean. I think where they're from, there's like a wet and dry season, but it's always hot and humid. So they they kind of bloom year round. Okay. 
for most orchids. Do you like it? Uh, do you like a dry heat or do you like uh, a moist heat? I like a, I like LA dry heat. Oh, you do? Not the desert. Not like Palm Springs dry heat. No. It's just like I want to die. No, I can't do it either. <laughs> the I, older I get, the more the older I get, the more I sweat, and I'm just like, I can't do it. Yeah. Especially today, like especially now. Yeah. It's getting the, the well. The planet's on fire, and we're all dying. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a break. When uh, we when we come back, I want to talk to Sharak a little bit more about a career you might be familiar with. We'll take a break. And we're back. Uh, we are back with my friend uh, and yours too. Hopefully, um, the one and only Chirac is here with me. We've been talking about plants. We've been talking about um, the old days, of course. Um, <clears throat> people may know you as, and I don't. I don't always know the proper term because I'm not trying to like necessarily like clean everything up or PC everything up because I think everything's fine, but I'm speaking from the outside. Yeah. So I say to people like, oh, my friend is an adult content provider, but I don't know if that's the word that you're comfortable with. Adult content provider. Um, yeah, content creator. I think that's more geared towards or has become more geared towards like um, fan site mm -hmm. content. So, but yeah, I, I fall in that category. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when people <clears throat> would be like, oh, so-and-so's a porn star. They're, that person's a porn star. Yeah. But I'm like, are they a star or are they an actor? Porn actor. Because some are stars. Some are stars. Right. And I don't really know what the distinction is between star and just an actor. But yeah, I'm a porn actor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What okay. would you think? What would you say is a porn star? Uh, I would say <clears throat> you're a porn star. I mean, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, because people know your name. And that's the, and you like to be and Chirac is the name that you're comfortable with everybody calling you because that's yeah. that's your name. That's I mean, my name. It's my know. actual name. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So that's what I mean. So if you see that, you know what I mean, and you're calling it out while you're looking at pornography. Yeah. You're really calling out Chirac's real name. My real name. Yeah. I just don't like. It feels funny calling myself a porn star. Like, right. oh, I'm a porn star. But if somebody, I'm like, okay. I, I saw somebody. I'm a performer. I saw some because <laughs> that, that's always the thing. Because you want other people to clap for you. You're not trying to clap for yourself necessarily. Yeah. And I I know people that will. Um, I've seen them like label themselves like, I am world famous so and so Icon impersonator, or and I'm like, are you sure you're world famous? Because yeah. maybe you should let somebody else call you that, and you just say like, I am a tribute artist, or I am whatever. You Very know what that. Mean? Yeah. How did you um get to your early beginnings? Um, you know, uh, hanging out in West Hollywood, riding the bus to Arena, you know, from there to where you are now. What were those beginnings uh, in the community? Um, I was probably around 16. I mean, you remember the Arena mm -hmm. off of uh, Santa Monica and Highland, and then right behind it was Circus. Right. Um, but it, Arena had a night where it was, I think, all ages, or I think if you were 16 and above, you could get in. So uh, at the time... My mom was living in a back house, like a converted garage in Culver City, and I would sneak out and take the bus mm -hmm. from Culver City to West Hollywood, Santa Monica and Highland. And um, that was where I got, became exposed to the community. Right. Um, and in particular, I mean, not only the gay community, but the trans community kind of took me under their wing because um, there was a large trans presence in that area at the time. Um, and there still is. But... Um, and that's where I started seeing performers and like drag performers and stuff like that. So that's really where I got my got my start. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then um, it kind of went as as I got older, it kind of drifted further west so that I could start getting into the clubs and things like that in West right. Hollywood. But I started at a really, really young age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not I don't recommend it. Well, I mean, yeah, but it was a different time for all of us. It was a different time, yeah. It was. It's like the early 2000s. Um, and I would see, like, go-go dancers at the Abbey or at Mickey's or, like, places like that. And I just, I kind of, like, put not only go-go dancers, like, drag uh, drag queens and stuff like that. I put them all, like, on pedestals as a young as a young queer kid. Mm -hmm. And those were kind of the, um, those were the kind of only, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like, not idols. Um, like examples. Examples, yeah, that I really had growing up because there wasn't, we weren't really, didn't have a, a, a presence in, this, in the media. I mean, Ellen, I think, was a little bit later. And then, I mean, RuPaul, and I mean, that was basically it. Right. So those were my, 
those are my queer um, examples. So that's kind of how I, I guess that's kind of how I went in that direction. How old are you? I'm 37. I'll 37. Be 38 okay. yeah. next month. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I, some of, I'm just, just under 10 years older than you. And I can remember, um, like in high school as well, like maybe 16, 17, um, I, we would go, I I had a a lesbian friend, she had a car Uh and then we had another friend who was just kind of like an outcast. He's, he's a straight guy, but he was like, just kind of an outcast. And we would always, uh, come like on a weekend or, or even on a, like a weekday, and we would drive out and we would go to this coffee house called Little Frida's, which is not around anymore. Okay. Uh, it's now like a nail shop or something. Okay. And it was like a full lesbian coffee house. And it was back in the day when you would go to the bathrooms and outside would be those things that held all kinds of postcards. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Oh my God, yeah. And we would get a stack of postcards <laughs> and we would live our lives and we would go to an adult bookstore yeah. and we would just have fun. And we would go get a, 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 a cookie at Mrs. Fields across the street from uh, Rage. Uh-huh. And we would do all of that stuff. And then it was like that moment going back where when we when we got in the car, we were like, we can only be free again when we come here again. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you remember that feeling? Absolutely. And so now when I when I do go into West Hollywood and I like even just driving down, I'll look around and I'll go, oh, that that used to be Del Taco right across from from Circus. Uh-huh. And then that used to be this. Like you know, you just sort of see the ghosts of what used to kind of be there. Yeah. And it's beautiful to watch people make their own way now. But it's interesting to look back and go, I can still see the way that and feel the way that kind of felt right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to have those conversations with people. Do you remember like the Gold Coast? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, unfortunately, they closed down during the pandemic. And there was also a place called Yukon Mining. That's where we always went after Peanuts on Mondays and Fridays. That was the place. It was like a a 24-hour diner. And Mm -hmm. that parking lot with the strip mall was very active with sex workers. And we just like sit there and watch and then go outside and kiki and smoke cigarettes. And it was, um, yeah. There was a a Trader Joe's in the same parking lot. Yes. Yes. And then there was uh, uh, like a little taco shop as well. But it always seemed to be closed. I don't remember the taco shop, but the t- but yeah. there's another taco place that's still Los 24 tacos. hours. It's still there. By the 7-Eleven. By the 7-Eleven, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, of course, Donut Time up the street, which is another area that was yeah. frequented. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. And the cr- street cruising. I mean, I learned how to cruise on, like, La Jolla between San Monica and Melrose. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the, yep. the beat. I guess they called it Vaseline Alley. <laughs> of course. And then there would be, like, just Circus off of books there was would like be there. Romaine Street yeah. would be back here so you could, like, kind of park. Yeah, there's still signs that say no turning after 10 p.m. Yes, it's from the yes. cruising. I actually got pulled over. I was 17 in my Jeep, and my friend, she didn't believe me that this happened in that area. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, there's guys just like hooking up, and I, that's where I kind of learned how to. Well, anyway, so we got pulled over, and she was. I didn't have a license, and we got arrested, and it was right on the corner of uh-huh. like right in front of the Circus of Books. It was so embarrassing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And this was, this was, yeah, this was the way it was. Yeah. I mean, this is the way things were. I, I often talk about how um, once upon a time, like before apps, there there was cruising was more prevalent. And yeah. now, uh, which may be, may be good or maybe bad, people could just type in their phone, even on their very first time looking for somebody, I want this, this, yeah. this, this, and this. Don't answer unless you're these things. And so then they will, they end up finding what they think they like. But back in the day, you were like, oh, I went home with a cowboy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I went home with a leather man. Oh, my gosh. I went home with a model. I went home with someone's dad. Like, <laughs> you would find your yeah. way by going, I didn't know I liked this kind of guy, but I love this kind of guy. It was exciting. Yeah, it was different. Yeah. And, of course, yes, unsafe in many ways. Yeah. But everything's unsafe in many ways. I mean, it's still unsafe to, to invite sure. a complete stranger to your house it or you go to their house. It might be more unsafe. You have no idea what, you know. Right. But... But yeah, it was definitely a different time. But the, you know, I was in Paris recently, and I've, um, street cruising is very much still alive. Oh, it is. And okay. well, oh my god, I got cruised, and it was like the most exciting, fun. I felt like I was twenty-one again. I love that. I sound so old. We sound old, right? We now. are. Well, we we're sound, old. <laughs> we sound so. You'll old. always be younger, but we're but we're older now. <laughs> Listen, you have. Uh, speaking of uh, yeah, uh, being cruised, no, no, no. But speaking of being cruised, uh-huh. and, and and where you are is in my mind and in the minds of everyone a porn star. You have something launching in November. Yes, yes, I do. Tell us about that. Um, I just well, I'm going to be a flesh jack guy. Uh huh. Um, so I have a one of those. But, <laughs> looks, oh, a perf- is it a perfume? It's a perfume line. It's a perfume. <laughs> I have a dildo and I have a flashlight coming out. Okay. 
So it's gonna. They took a scan of my anatomy, uh-huh. um, and they sent me a replica that I had to like <clears throat> um, take pictures next to for size and accuracy and everything. Uh-huh. So it's all good, and it should be available in November. Now, uh, of course, you have like a Twitter, so people can probably follow that, and that's yeah. where they can find out exactly when, when, and where they can purchase this. Absolutely, yeah, and on my Instagram as well. Yeah, they, they have a Flesh Jack has a Instagram friendly um, profile, so mm-hmm. I'll be. I think this is awesome. Available. I mean, I think what a cool idea. There's, uh, you know, listen, you provide fantasy for people. You yeah. cre- you create the imagery for that. I have I'm a firm believer uh, that I do think that there is a, a portion of not just the queer community but the world in general that loves to sort of villainize people that create um, adult content, but they love to consume that content. Yeah, I mean, I everybody watches that. it. Everyone Almost does. everybody watches it, and if they don't. And if they say they don't, they're probably lying. It's healthy and wonderful. Yeah. And we and also it's like, you know, but they they villainize us and they kind of um, you know, everybody want what let me rephrase this. Like it's it's happened recently where it's like they'll invite you to the bedroom kind of thing, but they will they don't want to be seen with you in public kind of thing. Of course. You know, they don't invite you to party, they invite you to the to the bedroom afterwards. Well, and what you're saying is exactly true about what, what we're talking about when people uh-huh. say, Oh, you're not similar. Are we not? Because there are pe- there are those there are those of us that have certain appearances that are very niche. Yeah. And there are people that that have a sexual attraction to certain niches, as you know, and um and as I know. And they are very – there's people that, that are like, oh, I want to objectify. I want a Middle Eastern man, mm-hmm. and I want you to have an accent. Or I want, I want, a, I want a, a big, fat man in a mm-hmm. dress, but I want him to look like a girl, and I want to fuck the shit out of him. And they want to do all these things, but then they're not going to tell anyone. My no. God, no, because well, you would know my proclivities. You would know what I do. That's disgusting. It's the hypocrisy of it. Of course. Yeah. And it's like when – like I say, I mean – you know, standing next to one another, you look at all these people in the world that that are so different. Listen, there's people out there that want to fuck every single one of the people that you see. We know that. Yeah. And it happens, especially in the world. And that's why I say it's so important that you speak about the people that you grew up with because you know this is happening. And you're providing this fantasy. Now, look. If, if that's what, if, if that, and I know people are going to want this product, they should want this product. I hope so. And this is the safety <laughs> that you are providing them. They yeah. get to have, quote unquote, a piece of you. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't get around everywhere. It's exciting. I never thought <laughs> I that mean, I would be successful in this industry until actually you helped me a lot. Really? You don't remember in the beginning? It was like 2017 ish. We used to talk a yeah. lot, yeah, yeah. DM and, and everything. And at the time, I was like, kind of, playing with drag again and doing yeah and then i wanted to do porn yeah and i i would dm you like oh i'm so nervous i'm so like i don't know if i can do it i I was insecure about my body right and you're like bitch just fucking do it yeah like you were one of like my big pushers and supporters in the beginning i didn't think of it that way i really didn't you totally were and that's that's another reason why I have so much love for you because even over the years, you've always just been so kind and so supportive. Even when I looked like shit and drag or whatever it was. And now with the porn thing, yeah, you were like one of the few people who were so supportive and tried to push me into just uh, not into that, but just doing something that I wanted to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And giving me the encouragement. Well, so. you've been supportive of me because I look like shit in porn. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there we go. I mean. It's, That's not true. It's you one or know. the other. No, but. Um, but you yeah. know, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We are back. We're here with Chirac, and we're talking about all of it and none of it. Uh, because, <laughs> listen, I have like I have a short attention span. I start listening, and I start talking about something else, and then I remember something you said. But that's, you know, I feel like that's just talking to any of your friends, right? Like, I'm the same way. I'm so ADD. Yeah, like yeah. I'm all over the place. Um, we have a portion of the podcast that we like to call the annals. And then the annals of the inbox. But okay. one time it was typed wrong and we were reading it as the annals of the inbox. Either way, they're letters. They're, okay. They're just letters. Got it. <laughs> that um, people send in. Um, and so uh, I'm, we're going to start with the first one. Let me see. I have them in here. They're like they're like literally written like little snail mail 
I should. I keep saying I'm going to bring my letter opener from my other desk. I'll bring you one next time. Yeah, I'm going to bring. I'm going to have to go to. Where do we say we could get them things remembered? Okay, first letter from Luigi. Dear Delta and Chirac, my name is Luigi, and I'm from Florida, now living in Chicago. Um, is it petty to not want to go to a gender reveal party? My sister is having one for her spawn all the way in Florida, and she seems so excited for it. I know she put a lot of effort into organizing it. Honestly, she may have well slapped me in the face and spit on my bussy. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> not her spawn. Because I'm a gender nonconformist. I do oh. not believe in pink for girls and blue for boys. Um, I've always been very vocal about this. Plus, this bitch had the nerve to forward this list of gift ideas. In this economy, no ma'am. Honestly, I don't think it's worth the plane ticket, and I'm scared um, that it will ruin my relationship with my family. Should I perpetuate this straight ceremony or just say fuck it? Help me, Delta and Chirac. You are my only hope. What do you think about a gender reveal party? <sighs> You know what? I had never even heard about. We don't have really gender reveal parties in our culture, so I had never really heard about it until a few years ago when they set some mountain on fire. Yeah, I just think it's so fucking stupid. I think it's stupid too. <laughs> so stupid. I think it's stupid too. I yeah. I mean, I would say, um, you know, if it if it ruins your relationship with your family because you are trying to not spend unnecessary money on plane tickets on lodging, on eating, on gifts for something like this, then I think there's a bigger uh, something at play with your mm. family if that is going to really set them off. Um, I, I also have responsibilities to family that um, I sort of pick and choose the battle versus the war. Okay. Um, and sometimes I'm like, I, I can bend on this. I'll just go do it because it's not, no one here is going to listen to my argument. They're yeah. not willing to change. So I'm just going to let it be what, what it's going to be. Um, but if it's hurting you that much and, 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 and also, I mean, if you're thinking literally financially, if it's an issue, that's already the answer. Yeah. That's the answer because you have to survive. You need to, uh, you know, going on a trip because somebody wants to tell you what color the baby's going to wear that's really quite a luxury that's to have a, that money. Yeah, that's a phone call or a text. Congratulations, I'm so happy for you. Like, mm -hmm. it's not a, for me, it's not a, a plane ride and a party. I don't think so either. No. And I don't think you should feel bad for not buying something on that uh, list. No. I think if you want to buy a gift, no matter what the value is, whether it's maybe a beautiful uh, 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 framed something or a poem or uh, whatever it is that you can do. But, you know, more than anything, your best wishes is is really all you have to give, I think. I t am 100% agreement with you. I'm not going to that party. I'm not going to that party either. No, fuck that party. Fuck I, that go, party. You know what? How about this? I'm not going to your party. How about you go fuck yourself? That's the text. That's what, that's all. <laughs> you know what? Forget all the flowers and all this other stuff. We're not going to the party. <laughs> I fucking told you. <laughs> we're not going to the party because we don't care about you assigning a gender to your baby. You heard? That part. That's it. All right, That's let's read it, letter. period. That's simple. Simple. I was trying to be diplomatic. Especially if they are a gender nonconforming individual yes. and for the sister to like throw, like it's just, it's she should have more awareness. The sister should. She's selfish. Yeah, selfish. Your sister's a selfish bitch. How about that? You don't have to tell her. Send her clue. Just send it. Push video record on your phone and then start the video and then send her this. Yeah. You're having your gender reveal party. You're pissed off because I can't afford to go. And also that I don't want to go because it goes against my ethics. Well, that's because you're selfish. Okay. <laughs> well, we have another letter from Angel. I love you. Hi, Delta and Chirac. <laughs> I'm writing from London. Ooh. I'm a fitness instructor, and for the first time in history, one of the gym brands I work with has decided to come out in support of the LGBTQ community over Pride Month. Okay. Besides plastering the usual six-striped rainbow flag here and there, they actually made an effort and organized charity spin classes whose benefits are going to an LGBTQ charity. So far, so good. Where I have the problem is that when they told one of their gay instructors who will teach the classes that his playlist was too much, they said that his playlist was too much. Mm. When I asked if they meant that language, and I thought it was a bit crude for their audience, they merely replied that there was too much Madonna, Kylie, and Whitney, etc., and they wanted to present something different. I think we have enough information, don't we? To my surprise, my colleague accepted to change his playlist. To sum things up, a straight guy told a gay guy to put on his playlist uh what to put on his playlist for a pride event i'm wondering 
what your thoughts are about this situation and had you experienced something similar in your careers. So people gatekeeping and telling you what, what's too gay, especially in, in, in your line of work. I just saw this clip. Yeah. Somebody sent me. And it's uh, it's it's an orgy. Uh-huh. Okay. Am and I in it? No, okay. I don't know who's in it really. It, uh-huh. it did sound um, from another country, but it sounded European. Okay. And two guys are on, three guys are on the bed, and there's a bottom, and then the two tops, and then this group is there, and they're just they're they're going in. Everyone's having a great time, and you hear them going, "Woo, yeah!" And one goes, "Yo, girl." <laughs> She, cause she's, he's taking it, like uh-huh, taking uh-huh. it like a champ. Yeah. And the one goes, girl. And I just think in, in the line of work that you've been in, yeah. are there people that you've worked with where if something like that was to happen, they would say, that's not what we're producing here. Oh, of course. In studio porn, for sure. Mm-hmm. Something like that would never fly. Right. Absolutely not. Um, <clears throat> and you kind of have to put on this, like, and they, they'll coach you and it's like, like, <laughs> Just like that cheesy porn, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh yeah, fuck, that's a fantasy. Fuck. Yeah, so you kind of have to, like, put that on. And then a lot of, I mean, me included, like, I'm not, I feel like I'm pre- very mask and s- straight presenting, but when I open my mouth and I start talking, it's a different story. So it's like, to put that, to have to, like, play that character just for that role is kind of, it's kind of interesting sometimes. Yeah. I'm like... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hear this I hear this letter, and yeah. I do think it's fucked up. Um, yeah. it, it is, but you know, this is we we've been in this place now. I f- and I definitely feel like it's been not just maybe the past few years, but definitely through the pandemic when everyone's done everything digitally. Mm-hmm. Corporations uh, have really been coming through the woodwork with having everyone represented something in pride. So you know, mm-hmm. we always talk about oh, let's we're we're, we're proud, and that logo's up through the month of July. And I'm, I absolutely don't want any straight people telling me how it is to be queer. No. I, I don't. I don't want that. Um, but I do understand the idea of taking every fucking penny they have. I absolutely understand it. I like to live ethically, so I don't want to have to bend. So in the sense of bending, um, in that way, if again, if it's a, a little bit of a battle versus the war, if I can work my way around it and still end up presenting what we need to present so that we get our image out there. I think it's important, but I don't want money that bad. I really don't. And I have turned down way too much money and way too many great opportunities to be compromised. Cause somebody said you have to be this way. And I'm like, yeah. it can't be that way. And I know that the same is true for you because you've had a lot of opportunities. I'm sure that have come your way. Yeah. And at this point in my life and my, my age and my career, it's like, it's not worth it to me anymore to compromise myself in no. that way. At all. Like, I want to be in control of the, the way that I am presenting myself and it represented. And if they want you to cut out Whitney, uh, Madonna, and Kylie at Pride, like, what? I, I don't understand. Wait, what songs did you want at the spin class, by the way? I mean, I've yeah. never taken a spin class, but I, and I've certainly never taken a gay either, Pride actually. spin class. No. But I bet you. Kylie, Madonna, and Whitney Houston are for sure going to be featured in On a, every playlist, I'm sure. And how long is that class? Maybe 45 minutes, I'm guessing? It's a cardio class? Is that how long yeah, that stuff goes? I think so. 45 minutes and you don't have room for Whitney Houston, Madonna? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. What we really need to be talking about, actually, in this letter is I want to go back to um, really just this sort of the syntax and um, um, really just some of the phrases... Um, well, it's not even in this letter. It's in what? the other letter. Actually, now we need to really... What's, I want to go back. What's a syntax? Well, you know, it's just the way sentence structure is oh, and it. how somebody leaves the end or the <clears throat> beginning of something. Uh-huh. I want to go back to Luigi's letter. Luigi said, um, um, she may has may have well... She may as well have slapped me in the face and spit... On my, my bussy. bussy. Have you ever spit on someone? If, I mean, maybe not their <laughs> bussy, but in their mouth? That surprises me. I'm curious. You already know the answer to that question. Do I? <laughs> How would I know? Yes, I've spit in people's mouths. More often than you said girl during the video? Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. I don't think I've ever said girl during a video. I say it in my normal day-to-day. Like if you were just, if you were just having like uh, a normal relation, would you... Uh, would would you likely say girl? Um, a normal, like a sexual relationship that sexual? was not being videotaped. I don't know. I don't think I've ever said girl while having sex. <laughs> it just seems weird because it's like, where does it come from? You know what? I have with, do you know who Brock Banks is? Yeah. So Brock Banks is like my one of my besties. And we, um, 
we've never filmed one on one, but we've we've done like three ways uh-huh. um, because it's kind of weird if we do one on one because we're like sisters, right? But yes, during our our filming, I have said "girl" or like "oh my god, girl, you look good" or something. Like that. <laughs> I mean, that's honest. I swear, that's yeah, that's honest. There's it comes out for sure. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Well, you know what? Thank you for joining me with these letters. These letters, like honestly, this type of information is what people want. They yeah. want to hear more than one way, and then they'll make their decision. You know, we for sure. We all love to hear what other people. Where have did to these say. come from? These are these are letters that people write in. Really? Yeah. And also, if you're listening to this and you want to send in a letter for me to read on the show, you can email me at readmedelta at gmail.com. Like, you know, like read me, but physically read the letter. I love this. Yeah. Thank you for coming out and being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is fun. It goes by really fast. Yeah, it really did go by really fast. Yeah. This is a treat, though. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. You know that I'm also excited for November. I hope you are, too. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, On Instagram, you can find me at the underscore Chirac, Mm S-H-A-R-O-K. And Twitter, you can, it's just at the Chirac, one word. Yeah. I like that. And your yeah. your account hasn't been suspended or anything. No, I'm on my third Instagram account, so I'm trying to be really, really good yeah. and not post anything that's going to get me deleted again. Um, but yeah, Twitter is still there. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, thank you all so much for listening to Very Delta and a special hello to everyone watching the show on the Mom Podcast YouTube channel. Very Delta comes out every Monday right here on the Very That podcast feed and on YouTube. And if you're new here, I'd love for you to subscribe to make sure that you do not miss any episodes. If you'd like to send me a question, comment, or any type of communication, email me at readmedelta at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram at at DeltaWork. I'll see you next week right here where we like to keep things very Delta. To listen to Very Delta one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Very Delta is produced by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by Delta Work and produced by Maxwell Esposito. Engineered by Margot Padilla and editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. 